Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. We continue our look at the book of Matthew here this morning. In particular, we're looking at Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. The Son of Man will judge the nations. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for us this morning. Our message this morning is a call to loving service. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells his disciples a parable of service. The point of the parable is simple and clear. God will judge us based on our caring service in the face of human need. The parable teaches us four basic truths concerning God's call to service, which he places upon the life of every believer. The first truth we see in this parable is that God calls us to loving service. We serve God, who is described as being a loving God. One of the most familiar verses in the Bible, one that many of us have committed to memory, begins, what? For God so loved the world, John 3.16. And in John's first epistle, he writes, God is love. Next to holiness, love is at the very core of who God is. But the word love, as it is used to describe God, is not merely feelings of sentiment or warm streams of emotion that overflow him exponentially. It's not the love we see portrayed on TV or in the Hollywood productions as just some primal urge. 
When the word love is used in association with God, you will also find an accompanying action. Let's consider the words of John 3.16 once again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God's love is a demonstrative love. He does not merely say, I love you, but along with these words is the proof. The love of God is living and active. It is tangible and easily recognized. When God's love is poured out, there is no mistaking it. Our God is the God of love, and he expects us, his children, to be loving as well. Just as we are reflections of our human parents, mirroring them in our appearance and mannerisms, so too we are to be reflections of our Heavenly Father, imitating Him in our actions and attitudes. The real evidence of our belief is the way we act. The God of love calls us to loving service, It is not enough for us to meet together once a week to confess to one another that we are children of God. We are expected to live as his children and act out our faith in him. Just as he is a God of giving and sacrifice, so too we are to give, sacrifice, and serve others. We should keep in mind that what we do for others demonstrates what we really think about Jesus' words how well and how lovingly we give ourselves on behalf of others is the only true evidence of our faith in him and his words. Again, to quote from 1 John, this is love for God to obey his commands. God commands us to loving service. The second truth found in this parable is that God calls us to simple service. Note the activities that Jesus mentions here, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, showing hospitality to strangers, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, visiting the imprisoned. The parable describes acts of mercy we can do every day. These acts do not depend on wealth, ability, intelligence. They are simple acts freely given and freely received. Any one of us could easily be involved in a number of these simple acts of kindness without stressing our time, our money, or our strength. Jesus does not tell us to fix all the world's problems in one shot. Rather, he invites us to make a difference in a simple fashion, one person at a time. you also notice that Jesus equates our acts of kindness on behalf of those in need around us as acts of kindness given to him. Verse 25, it states, The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. While it is true that the type of service we are called by God to engage in is simple, that is not to say it is without cost. The acts which Christ mentions in this passage all have a ring of personal compassion and require more than simply writing a check to charity. The call of God to simple service is the call to become personally involved in the lives of those who are hurting and to touch them with our lives. It is clear from this parable that Jesus is 
in fact, warning us to help the helpless. Yet many Christians, including myself at times, have resisted obeying this scripture, except for giving very limited help to our own families and friends. God calls us to let our light shine through acts of simple service. The third truth contained in this parable is that God will judge us based on our loving service. Jesus used the images of sheep and goats to describe two different groups of people based on how well they served those who were in need around them. He said that the sheep were those who saw the needy around them and responded to their needs in acts of loving service. The goats, on the other hand, were those who also saw the needs around them but failed to act to alleviate the suffering they witnessed. As a result of their decisions, each was accorded what was due them. To the sheep was given great reward, to the goats a harsh judgment. I want you to note the surprise of the sheep, who could not recall ever having helped the king in his moment of distress. And you should also note the surprise of the goats, who could not recall ever having passed by the king in his distress. Neither the sheep nor the goats had ever equated the hungry and the homeless with the king. All they saw was either the suffering who needed help and acted compassionately toward them, or the lowlife just looking for a handout and turned the other way, surmising that their trouble was what they deserved. And I can't help but imagine especially the look on the faces of the ones who had neglected to aid those who were suffering around them. As the king pronounced his judgment on them and explained that every act of kindness or neglect was directed toward him personally, I can almost hear them protest, you know, but I gave to this charity or that one. I dropped my change in the pot outside the store last Christmas. Or they might have tried to justify or excuse themselves by saying, I pay my taxes, I put my money in the offering plate at church, I did my part, it was up to those institutions to distribute the funds properly. It's not my fault. However, as I pointed out earlier, we have a responsibility to be personally and intimately involved in our giving. It is loving service, not gift giving, that we are called to do. We have no excuse to neglect those who have deep needs, and we cannot hand over this responsibility to the church or government. Jesus demands our personal involvement. It is also worth noting that the ones whom the king was speaking to did not have the advantage of the lessons of this parable. But we do. The parable puts us on notice. I do believe there are many individuals that God places along our paths to help. And I believe that he has chosen us to be the answer to much of the suffering that takes place all around us. And I believe that God will call us into account for those opportunities, offering us blessing or judgment. God will judge us based on our loving service. The final truth we can learn from this parable is that God will bless our loving service. In a world full of great problems, we might think that our small personal service is not meaningful. We might wonder if our service can really make a difference. I know it sounds wonderful to feed the hungry and help the helpless, 
but I also know that oftentimes our efforts to help those in need can lead to frustration. We may not receive the pats on the back or the praise or the feelings of accomplishment we would like as we serve those in need, but those acts do not go unnoticed, and they do bring blessing both to us and to those whom we serve. God blesses our loving service. So in conclusion, we see in the parable of the sheep and the goats four truths about how God expects us to live out our lives as his children. He calls us to loving service. He calls us to simple service. He will judge us based on our loving service, and he will bless our loving service. To live the way that God calls us to is not an easy task. But when we live with the attitude that every act of kindness is a direct service to Christ and that we will be rewarded by him, we will find sufficient energy and drive to meet the needs that come our way. John Wesley wrote a challenging poem. He said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. So let this be the way in which we live and are recognized by those we meet each day. Let us close with prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your word to us, refreshing our hearts by pulling us away from the world and all of its distractions. And yet, at the same time, Lord, instilling in our hearts an awesome, overwhelming sense of fear as we realize the severity of what awaits those who do not know the Savior. Father, it's a mark of true believers that they're loving and they're humble. It's a mark of non-believers that they don't have the love for you in their hearts, reaching out to others, and they're not humble. They don't know why they should be left out. Father, we pray that those who are true saints will have that affirmed in their hearts, and those who are not will have that affirmed as well, so that they can take the step of faith in Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.